in our podcast about culture and company culture, I mentioned and alluded to teamwork. And I refer, prefer to talk to it as teamwork or how to work in a team. Um, I don't really like the teamwork moniker because it's been weakened and made less than I truly believe it is meant to be and should be. Uh, but I'd like to tie back to that discussion, particularly with Drucker's comment that culture eats strategy uh, for breakfast. Um, I think that the key part to that that I didn't mention is that culture drives engagement, participation, energy, execution. That culture gets a higher quality of edu- execution and engagement with people than just a strategy, which is a meant more of a mental exercise than that whole person energi- energy. The culture builds an energy of the whole person. And there, it's like no competition. Um, you've got all that. You've got the whole person. You've got the energy of all the people, of the whole person of all the people, as opposed to those smart people who thought out the strategy and say, this is where we ought to go, and we're following just with our head. Now, I also talked about teams and how to work in a team. The key is, how do you first build that team and start the work in the team? And there are lots of lots of history going on back about it. Um, But I've had the case where I've hired people specifically for the team. I've had the case where we took a large group of people and distributed them into smaller groups and made smaller teams out of them, had the the opportunity to let people self-select themselves into teams. And I've also had the team that management put together because everyone wasn't sure what to do with the team players and they wanted to see what I would do with them. And that was the fun of the corporate world. And they all turn out working in the same way with the same basic tools and framework. Some of it ties to what I talked to about culture because in the team, the culture is going to be even more important because it's a smaller group. And it's going to be more front and center in your day-to-day experience and day-to-day feeling than you will from a larger 50, 100, 200-person plant or facility. When you have a team of 8 to 10 people, you're going to see that much sooner and much faster. So the culture is a part of it, and the same tools and the same stages apply. It has to have a common vision. You have to have a common purpose that everyone sees and shares and sees how they fit into it and their values and their desires and their goals fit into it. If they can't see themselves in it, then there's no connection to them, no value for them, no drive for them. They're not part of the team because they can't see. They're not going to get to the same place. The next piece to it is once you have that common destination is what road are you all going to take to get there? Because we're all different individuals. We have different strengths and different things that we're comfortable of. And that's that core values, 
principles. How are we going to behave? How do we agree to behave? So now if the team is a smaller subset of a larger organization that already has its values, then you want to be clear to define how this team will work within those. Is there any of them that they want to tighten down? Is there any of those that they want to strengthen and reinforce or highlight that this is an important one for how we do our work? Do not believe it's appropriate for a small team to have core values that are substantially different than the larger team they're part of because their work result and as they do their work process will develop conflicts that'll take away from the ultimate goal that you're looking to achieve, which is the work product that the team is expected to deliver. Put that together, how do I get there? Well, here's where strategy comes in. What are the different stages and strategies that we have to follow to get from where we are today to where we want to be? And what are the major milestones along the way that we can check ourselves and monitor our process? And how many different strategy themes are there? Because with a group of 8 to 10 people, rarely are all 8 to 10 people working on the same thing at the same time. When you work as a team, one of the pieces that is not talked about often enough is that a team starts with individuals. And I know that there's that cute little meme that says there's no I in team. And then somebody draws a picture that the I is the space in the A, that the team has a capital A and the space in the A and under part forms an I and that's where the I is. But without all that fun stuff, teams are groups of individuals who choose to work together in a common way, in a similar way to achieve a common goal. Team groups of individuals. Because all we can do is work as an individual. We can work together with someone else, but I can't take my strength and push on you to multiply your strength to double your strength. We can pull on the same rope and see if that works, but I can't push on you and multiply you like there are tools that are force multipliers and torque multipliers that actually take one tool's torque and multiply it to something greater. So we do individual work. And then we come back in support of the team within the parameters and values and the way the team would do it. And then we come back and tie it all together and have it all fit. And when it comes together, it's not my work went into the team. It's our work together as the whole of the team. And that's the other key element that's part of the team culture. It's not about the team leader. It's not about a team superstar. It's about what the team's output is. And that everyone's output, everyone's contribution is for the team's combined shared output and shared result, not for my credit as a special member or a special part of the team. That's where a lot of the sports teams fall down because they get their superstars. And the superstars get extra attention and get extra chances. And sometimes they have the personal skills that can carry the team and they win a lot. But that doesn't mean that they're team leaders and that the team works as a team. There's many, many examples of teams of all-stars that don't get along and don't support each other and don't have that common goal and common shared values 
that the team is, is, has a synergistic effect. When the team is working, there's synergy. One plus one equals three. You get more by putting the people together than individual. But if it's not a team, it's actually less than because people start tripping over each other. How the individuals come together is a typical exercise in interpersonal relationships and inter- interpersonal ex- uh, activities. The classic Storman, Foreman, Norman, Performan parts of the team, aspects are of team performance, make some sense and play themselves out even if you change the names a little bit. Because putting people together, there's a sense of got to see where we all fit. Got to see what you agree to, what you disagree with. And just because I say the words for the core values, do I really mean them? Do I really live by them? Or is that the facade I put out and tell you that's how I live, but that's not how I really do things? And that's what comes out when you're working in close proximity and in close efforts with someone else is what you say you do has to be what you really do. Because it's going to show in the work you do that someone's going to be right alongside you watching and counting on. So the facades and masks that we put on to say this is what we can do have to be gone in a team so that there's that level of trust and integrity. Because trust in each other has to be built and it doesn't happen just in good situations. So the storming and forming is forming trust. It's forming trust in the positions of what I can contribute, what I best contribute to the team, and what you best contribute to the team, and what I can trust that you will do in that team. So that's what the forming is, is trust. The norming starts setting what's our performance standards. What are we going to do? How do we get this done? Is what our state will get us to the end goal, or are we going to have to adjust that? What are the acceptable levels of performance for this group, the acceptable behavior, the acceptable communication? That storming and forming is about what are the right levels of communication? What are the right types of communication? Because if I'm doing something that has to fit in what you're doing, we have to be talking to know what to do for each other and how to help each other and how it's going to tie together. So there's got to be a high level of communication, not just when the meetings happen once a week or once a month, but more, much more frequently to work out things are going together. That's part of the plan. That's part of the tactics that come after the strategy. It's part of the accountability and review. And that's actually one of the key parts that makes a team work well is accountability reviews. But it's not where the leader asks, what have you done this week? It's where the goal is stated and individuals speak to what they did to advance their part, their assignment toward the goal. And what problems they had that they need help, what problems they recognize and got help for, and what problems they foresee that they're going to need help or where they're going to have extra time to be able to help someone else to meet the goal. But it's a nature of, again, treating people like adults, that they can be responsible and will stand to account. I think that's a better way to use accountability, but I will stand to account. 
for my contribution in what I have done. When this works, the performance is exceptional. And here's the part that many people don't recognize that happens as part of the performance. Often in business, we just look to what's the output of the work group because the people are just the assets, the machines to make things happen. But if a team works well and is coached well, there's leadership that grows within the team starting with the individual leadership and self-discipline of the team members to do their jobs on time with communication to their peers and to deliver what was needed when they said that they would deliver it or to speak up soon enough that it didn't impact the process negatively. That's self-discipline and that's the first step of being able to work in a team is to be able to manage yourself before you worry about managing the interactions with someone else. Then, if the team is successful, somebody in that team managed the interactions with other people. In fact, it might have been many. And that's a level of leadership that then can help many other teams and get spread out to higher levels and broader levels of self-management as opposed to external management. Remember, there's a little distinction that don't think I've mentioned before, so I probably shouldn't have said remember, but what I do to myself is self-discipline. When you do it to me external to myself, it is external punishment. So these progressive discipline systems that corporations like to talk about are not that. They're progressive punishment systems because it's happening to me. And here's the danger when it happens to me. It's not my fault. I didn't do it. You're doing this to me. And now that you're doing it to me, I'm justified and I've paid my price. Well, that's enough talk about a team. But I ask you to think back to sports analogies, work analogies, work experiences that you had, and see how many characteristics that I mentioned here were part of the successful groups that you worked with and worked as a team. And leave me some notes, offer some feedbacks, let me know what you think. As always, be well and have a great day.